Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. I want you to imagine for a moment you've got a 14-year-old daughter. She's thriving in her Westfield, New Jersey um, school until nude pictures of her begin being circulated among her classmates. Now, here's the reality. They're not actually of her. They are AI-generated. Her mom, Dorada Manny, is now on the war path. She says, we're fighting for our children. We're fighting for our kids. We're fighting for their right to privacy. We're fighting for their sexual purity. Dorada did uh, not imagine that she would be advocating at this stage of her daughter's life for better protections for victims of AI-generated nude images of teen girls. But when AI-generated pictures of her daughter began circulating, At a high school in New Jersey, she was concerned not only for the physical and psychological welfare of her child, but her life and her future life. And it's not just happening in New Jersey. A uh, a high school student, a teenage boy in Seattle, Washington, has been generating and distributing um, AI images of other female students in his Seattle, Washington high school. Cases are literally coast to coast of explicit AI-generated material. Overwhelmingly harms women and children. It is booming online at an unprecedented rate. You should ask your high school and college-age friends and neighbors and Students, you should ask them about it. You should say, like, what's going on with deep fakes? And then you should have them explain it to you if you don't know what a deep fake is. Deep fakes are either still images or increasingly videos that have been digitally created or altered with artificial intelligence or machine learning. So they take they take you, the content you have out there online, and then AI makes a picture or a video of you in a place you've never been with people you've never been with doing something you would never do and then distributing it online. Um, non-consensual deep fate pornography is now an industry. Um, this, is, uh, this is technology that is being used in propagation of storylines related to the war in Gaza that are also not true. The war in Gaza has highlighted the latest advances in in AI as a way of spreading disinformation. Um, Sports Illustrated is the latest company to see its reputation damaged 
by being less than forthcoming about how it was using AI or how it was allowing AI to write stories. So people are desperate for solutions. Families are desperate for solutions, pushing lawmakers to um, implement safeguards for victims whose images are manipulated or used um, in all kinds of ways. But it is a genie that is already out of the bottle, so to speak. Pandora's box has been opened on this. Uh, deep fakes or the problem with deep fakes is not new, but it's certainly getting worse. We've been talking about it for a long period of time. And, um, and yet I know that it only really becomes an issue when it becomes an issue for you. When you actually have a family member or the child of a friend who is all of a sudden exploited in this way. And so let me just go ahead and tell you, if you ever, if you ever see a photo or a video of me uh, that seems to you like that doesn't line up with who I know Carmen to be, I assure you it's a fake. I can absolutely 100% without hesitation assure you it's a fake. I could tell you that now. How do I know? Because uh, no picture or video of such has ever been actually recorded. So this is how you can know for sure that you are um, going to be able to withstand the firestorm coming, and that is to be able to say, no, never, ever have I. And so let me encourage you on that front with your young people. Um, the motivation toward sexual purity and, um, and a purity of how we live our lives in private and in public um, now has a heightened incentive so that you and I can stand and pass a lie detector test if necessary. No, that's me because never, ever have I. Never, ever have I. And I recognize that there are some who are not going to be able to say, never, ever have I. Um, and so repentance should come quickly. Confession should be followed by repentance. And then you and I... Um, need to come alongside parents and teenagers who are victimized in these ways. And we need to help them sift out um, and sort out fiction from reality. Do you know what is fake? And do you know what is authentic? How about when it comes to the things of God? Do you know the scriptures of the Old and New Testament well enough to be able to tell when somebody's using a fake verse or a fake application of a verse? There are some deep fakes out there in relationship to um, presentations of Jesus. Maybe you've heard about the feather video that was recorded at a church in New York City. Let me just tell you, just because Jesus was a carpenter does not mean what this, this particular artist has perverted it to mean, just because her last name is Carpenter. Not everything that is done in a church is holy unto God. And just think that there's a lot of fakes out there, some of them deeper than others. The war is back on um, in full force. People are, um, people are suffering and dying. There is trauma in every direction, and you and I are subject to it because we are looking at and hearing and reading so much. So how do we deal with all of that? We can't turn away we need help processing. Dr. Linda Mental is going to join us next to, um, to talk 
with us and walk us through that. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Linda Mental is joining us. You can find her at drlindamental.com and right here on the Faith Radio Network and the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Linda, good morning. Good morning. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, likewise. Okay, trauma. Uh, trauma is real. We experience it in all kinds of ways. I mean, the, the 14-year-old that we, you know, in, in New Jersey is certainly traumatized by um, the experience that she's having just because somebody produced a video and distributed it, and it's not real. Right. Um, but right. that's a trauma. It's a trauma to her family. Um, we are traumatized by what we are seeing and hearing um, in terms of what Hamas did on October the 7th. We are experiencing trauma when we watch war unfold in front of our eyes and um, and victims on the Palestinian side uh, who are now so many in number. So, I mean, I'm... The way that we are traumatized, not only by what we experience in our own lives, but what we experience through media. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you just talk with us about that? Like, that is that real trauma? Hearing about another person's trauma, like, can I be traumatized by that? And then walk me, um, walk me into helping, like, help me process all of that. Yeah, absolutely. So trauma is just an emotional response to a terrible event. I mean, when people say, what is trauma? That's pretty much what it is. You see a a terrible event, a disturbing event, a violent event, some type of tragedy. I mean, you can be traumatized from a horrible motor vehicle accident and seeing people in the car. There's lots of ways. Like you said, the girl with the um, exposure that was not real and being traumatized in front of her peers and, you know, uh, just humiliated. All of that can be definitions of trauma. So when you experience a trauma, when you're the actual person who's experiencing it, yes. But even in the, the diagnostic and statistical manual that we use to diagnose trauma, if you witness trauma, that is just as powerful for some people as actually experiencing it. So what happens is when you witness it like that, you have some type of shock or denial, and then you can have a lot of unpredictable emotions that can follow after seeing or hearing uh, a trauma. It it was interesting. I I heard a news reporter say that he had seen the body cam um, footage of the Hamas attackers. And he said he's never seen anything so evil in his whole life. And he didn't think he could unsee those images. So I've been saying this to parents for years and years and years, even with movies and trauma in movies. Be very careful what you expose your children to, uh, because they can't unsee those images and they're going to need some help then reprocessing those images and they can create things like nightmares and sleep problems and I mean there's so many symptoms that can be associated anxiety depression with trauma if it's not handled in a way uh, it needs to be handled so this is something we need to think about and and I think it helps uh, karma to think about there are three types of trauma one is an acute trauma where you have a single event so there's something like a school shooting or fire and you lose your home or the horrific things we've seen in some of the hurricanes. These are single event traumas and they can, you know, create a problem later on for some people. There's also something called chronic trauma. 
And chronic trauma is when you have a, a trauma that's repeated over and over. So this is when we think about people who have been physically abused, sexually abused, domestic violence situations where it is a chronic traumatization uh, on a repeated basis. And then there's something called complex trauma that occurs from exposure to a, a variety and multiple trauma events. And that's where it gets really complex, which is why it's called that, because the more trauma you have in your background, the more likely you are to experience it and have these symptoms because it's sort of a building and a cumulative effect unless you deal with the traumas as they're going. So I see, I saw a lot of patients. Um, I had especially practicing with patients with eating disorders and often there was trauma in their background, in their histories that ended up with a type of controlling behavior, which was the eating disorder that they developed. So we, it's a broad definition. And I think one of the, the most significant things we need to really think about is we need to be careful of what we're exposing people to. So if you've had a lot of trauma in your background, I would really be careful with what I'm watching in media, uh, even when it comes to news reports. I remember when 9-11 happened, um, my kids were very young when that happened. And I made a decision not to allow them to watch the the television because they were showing it over and over and over, the planes going into the buildings and people, mm -hmm. you know, horrific things happening. Mm -hmm. And I just thought they're, they're too young to really process this and understand uh, what's going on. And I think it's it was a good decision not to put those images into their minds. And so I think, you know, parents, think about what you're exposing your children to. Think about what they're seeing online and what they're watching and what they're hearing and do what you can to try to, you know, explain to them that watching this is something that you can't undo and it can be very disturbing. Yeah, I remember um, in the midst of the flood here in Middle Tennessee, so this goes back to 2010, and um, the Beth, who is now one of my daughter-in-laws, um, was at our house. And it, like anybody that was at our house, uh, it was then at our house for days because we ended up, you know, on on a basically an island um, with, you know, hundreds of neighbors, but, you know, but an island nonetheless. Mm -hmm. And um, we were watching, you know, television footage of what was happening as the river was rising and the helicopter went over Beth's house. And you could tell that it was it was going to be released from its foundation. Like, you could tell. Like, it was going. And Jim turned the TV off. And he said, you know, we don't, we don't need to see that. We just don't need to see that. Right. And I do think, um, I do think that we as adults... We, we have to be able to say that to our kids. We, we don't need to see that. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know why, I don't know why, what it is in us that makes us want to see why we do slow down and, and look at a, at a car accident or, you know, why we want to watch the trauma unfold, but it's not healthy for us. And at some point enough is enough. And even though we can't totally get away from it, um, there are times as adults that we just need to say we don't need to see that. Right. And help our children understand that those images go into your brain and you 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 just can't unsee it after a period of time. And I think we've been very lax with this in movies as well, where kids are exposed to a lot of horrific, horrible scenes in movies. And 
you know, I, I often heard parents, you know, bringing in their, their teenagers and saying, I'm not really sure what's wrong. You know, they're kind of having a startle response Mm -hmm. and they're not sleeping. And, you know, they, they feel like they're anxious all the time. They're on edge. And I'll find out that they've been watching some really awful, gory, horrible movies. And I'm like, you Mm got to stop doing that because it's triggering you. It goes into your, you know, your, your brain and it, it's there. And once the memory is there, it's hard to erase those memories. You have to reprocess those memories. So it's work then to try to get a different, you know, a different uh, outcome from that if you just allow it all to happen. So part of what we have to do is create safety um, in, in, you know, those types of events. When there's something terrible that's happened, we the, the sooner you can connect with somebody, the sooner you can create some safety and get them what we call grounded, like get them into the present moment and say, you're here, nothing is happening now, um, I'm with you, you're going to be okay, and and a lot of what we do in trauma work, I think this is a really important question. And just a, a little plug, Carmen, for my radio show, we did a uh, a faith radio show on trauma not too long ago, about a month ago, and that's on the on the website. So if you go to myfaithradio.com and you go to the Dr. Linda Mintel show, you can listen to that show on trauma. And that show is to help people who have been through trauma and those who have been traumatized. So I felt it was an important topic to really cover because in a in any relationship in a family people have maybe experienced war or they've been a victim of abuse or something you know they've witnessed some horrible event they've been through something like you were talking about a flood or a fire or something and we need to know how to respond to each other and to help each other so that's a good resource for anybody who wants to hear more about this that's so good i want to um i want to talk about a couple of your blogs next so we're going to um return to our conversation with dr linda mental here in just a moment The holidays are upon us. Do you need some help calming yourself? Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about that next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. I mean, seriously, if all we had was nothing more than feelings, we would just be lost in a sea of mush. Hello, friend. Uh, I'm sure you have noticed by now that feelings are a terrible barometer of the truth. Our feelings are affected by the weather, world events, what we ate last night, whether or not someone we like or love texted or tagged us in a social post, how badly someone else sings. Yeah. mm -hmm. So if you're feeling lonely right now, I want you to ask yourself, am I really ever truly alone? Of course not. As a follower of Christ, Jesus promises to be with you always. He's literally with you right now in the thick of it, in the midst of whatever circumstances you're dealing with in your life. So I want to be a source of hope and encouragement to you today. If you are struggling to make it, even just to the next moment, if you're feeling lonely, text the word HOPE to 877-933-2484. My amygdala has been hijacked. I think that is uh, something I can totally say with confidence. I am definitely a person who from time to time allows my emotions to override my capacity to think. It definitely happens when um, hospitality is at issue. So uh, Dr. Linda Mental is here to help me. The holidays are in full swing. Uh, Emotions can run kind of high and sometimes kind of hot when families get together. So, um, Linda, what do I do when my amygdala has been hijacked? (laughs) Well, what that means for the audience is that your thinking part of your brain has gone offline. (laughs) 
Yeah, and the emotions are taking over, and we all have that type of emotional response when uh, the holidays come because of family and stress and all the things that have to get done. I, I mean, literally, it's Linda, let me just confess here. Like, I literally have to go sit in a corner. Like, I, I have to remove well, myself, and I have to, like, put myself in timeout. I just You do. know what? That's not a bad strategy, actually. That's not because what happens is your autonomic nervous system is just getting wound up. You're just getting, you're into fight and flight mode when your emotions get that high. And so, you know, if you can do anything you can do to calm yourself at that moment, that's what's, that's what's important. So a timeout, a grown up timeout is not a bad idea because <laughs> that's what we do with kids, right? You're too, you're too wound up. Oh, you're too excited. I know. And I can like there. hear, I can like hear through three sets of doors. Where is she? And I can hear Jim saying, <laughs> she's probably in her closet. Like, yeah. just, just let her be. She's probably in her closet. Just let her be like, right. I mean, at some, yeah. Well, there you yeah, go. So Carmen, conf- I'm confessing my, the reality of this in my life for sure. Yeah. So it's where in the world is Carmen LaBerge, mm-hmm. not, not Carmen San Diego. Yeah. She's in the closet. But if you're in the closet, what I would suggest you do is take some really long, deep breaths. Mm-hmm. And the reason that people do that is because it's a way to calm down the brain and to get your your calming part of your nervous system in gear. So that's what we want to do. We want to take that thinking brain. We're trying to get our thinking brain back online. And deep breathing, diaphragmic breathing slows it down. It's incompatible to that that high emotion that we're having. It's, so it's slowing everything down. And even if you do something really simple, Carmen, like saying, I am really emotional right now or I'm really anxious right now, just saying that out loud, it gauges your thinking brain again. So you're you're moving off of that just high emotional response of the amygdala in the brain, and you're trying to engage that cortex, which is the front part, which is where the thinking happens. So we have a saying in therapy that says, if you name it, you tame it. So even if yeah. you say, you know, I'm anxious, that's getting your your brain engaged. And then the easiest thing to do, and I teach this all the time to people, is if you're feeling really highly emotional and anxious and you know tense or whatever, distract your brain. So the best thing you can do is count backwards from 10, think of five cities that begin with the letter A, um, you know, count count to 10 in Spanish, do something, look at the look at the lamp in the room and start thinking about the lamp and what it looks like and you know start thinking about the ground and your feet are on it and and wave your arms and do whatever all of those distraction techniques really really work in terms of getting your thinking brain back um and then finally um and this this sounds very uh biblical take every negative thought captive like replace right replace it with a godly thought based on scripture. Yeah. I mean, when we're anxious, what, do, you know, what do we do when, when we're worried? Uh, the opposite of worry is trust in God. So if we're getting anxious, we're getting worried. We can, you know, we can say, we can quote those scriptures, be anxious, anxious about nothing. God, you are in me. So help me your Holy Spirit in me. And I think that's really the root of when we're really struggling emotionally is that we we need to remember the Holy Spirit is in us if we're a believer. And he gives us the power to overcome those emotions and to calm ourselves down. So that's what one of the fruit of the Spirit is. It's self-control and being able to regulate your emotions and, and get them in line. So if you can, if you can, 
understand that your thoughts are connected to your emotions. And if your thoughts are, oh my goodness, or I'm so angry, I'm never going to get through this. You know, you can take a few scriptures, like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, whatever scripture that you know that is counter to that anxious feeling. And there are a lot of them in the Bible reminding yourself that God is in, and it sounds cliched, but it really does help if you go, God's in this, he's got control, he's not going to let me down, he never abandons me, he never neglects me, he knows what's going on in my life, he's part of it, maybe this is a struggle, but he's going to walk me through that struggle to the end, because his presence is going to always be with me. If you can get your mind focused on that, and that's what scripture says, that if we you know, keep our mind on him, he's going to keep us in perfect peace. So it's renewing the mind every day as you're going through that anxiety and saying, God, you can help me with this. You can get me through this, and I'm going to meditate on your word day and night, as the scripture says. It's so good. It's so good. I have taken to printing out a number of passages of scripture, and I actually have them taped on the wall in my mm. closet because... Yeah. <laughs> Because you're in there yes. deep breathing and meditating. And that's where I out. am. Yes. <laughs> right. Because when that's I go right. in there for my time out, eventually, eventually I get to number four on your list. Like, right after I've done yeah. my long, deep breaths, after I've labeled my feelings, like, right, name them. Um, and then after I've distracted myself for a few minutes, like, right, I'm then I'm like able to read like and think. And so yeah. that's when I look at the passages of scripture that I have taped to the wall where where I really am speaking truth to the lies. Like that's mostly yeah. what I'm doing at that point. I'm like it's a lie that you, you know, that you feel this way. Like the truth is, you know. Here's the well, truth. Well, and so anyway, and the, I just love and the it. The beauty of that scenario you just described is that you cannot think when you're so no. emotionally upset. No. You can't. So no. you have to do something to calm your body down first so you can think. So I like your your closet idea. And uh just you know, for the record, go into if the you're closet. listening. Yes. If you're listening and you live with a person who who is like me, it, it doesn't help to tell us that we're being unreasonable. It just doesn't. Like we <laughs> No. We Yeah, so just let us you go can't to our think. closet. Yeah, just you let can't us think take we do our adult timeout. Yeah. That's right. That's right. We do this in marital work all the time. We're like, you cannot think when your heart is beating 100 beats a minute. You have to get it over that. You have to get it down to the point where you're calming and then your body and your brain can think. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now everybody knows a little bit more about me. Uh, Linda, we love you. Thank you so much um, for joining us and for all of the resources. Again, you guys go to drlindamental.com. We've been talking today about calming yourself during the holidays, but there's a great post as well, understanding and treating your anxiety. Obviously, you want to connect with Linda's show here on the Faith Radio Network. She recently um, did a show on trauma, um, and so I want to encourage you to access all of those as well. Um, all right, we are going to talk next with Tim Kazee. He um, he he's a world traveler. I would like to say that you know he just reports on what's happening all over the world, and he does. But he reports on what's happening all over the world because the world is the backdrop of what God is doing. Um, and so he's got amazing stories to tell about the gospel's transforming power and how the kingdom of Christ is advancing in all kinds of spaces and places, literally from every tribe and language and people and nation. 
So we're going to talk with Tem about his experiences around the world, and he's going to help us pull the, quote, silver thread of God's grace um, that he sees all over the place. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Tim Kazee is joining us. He's the executive director of Frontline Missions International. He's the executive producer of the Dispatches from the Front film series. He joins us today with his book, A Day's Journey, Stories of Hope and Death-Defying Joy. Tim, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. Good to be here. All right. We just want you to tell us stories. Like, that's pretty much what we're in for today. Um, I I would invite you to start anywhere. Maybe um, Maybe tell us... What led you to the kind of journalism that you've been engaged in for over 30 years? And then um, some of the stories that you've encountered along the way. Well, I have kept a journal as long as I can remember. And then when my ministry was focused on other parts of the world, uh, when I traveled there uh, to serve our teams or develop new projects in different parts of the world. I, I journaled about it. And then I published those journals in our little missions newsletter to share with people. I wanted to bring them along. It was very important to me. I wanted people to feel like they had a, a, a boots on the ground view of life of God at work and it was important for me because they couldn't they couldn't come along, but I could bring them along through my through my writing. And so that was something I did for many years, and also extended that into a, a documentary series called Dispatches from the Front. Um, but a few years back, I had back to back cancer diagnoses, and so that put a a big halt to my life of motion. And, mm-hmm. um, but I continued to journal. It's, it's the way I dealt in that time, a dark time of suffering and uncertainty. And so this book, A Day's Journey, is, um, is the result of that. Uh, but it's more than a book about cancer. It's, uh, it's, it's a book about how we spend our days, these precious little bits of vapor life that God has given us. And so the book begins with stories about real, really about time and memory and the value of ordinary days, uh, stories about the brevity of life, uh, its swiftness, its preciousness. Uh, the middle part of the book are the stories of people that I spent days with and journaled about that particular day with them. Mm-hmm whether it was Rosaria Butterfield or Johnny Erickson Tata or uh, some people that uh, the reader will have never heard of before, but, but needs to need, they need to know uh, they need to know my friend, Jonathan and um, the, the beautiful time we had together before the Lord brought him home. So uh, there's stories like that. People who've taught me about courage and curiosity and worship and wonder and, um, the, the power of the resurrection. There's a chapter called Five Witnesses and five dear, dear people from around the world who have stood strong in their witness of the, the power of Jesus rising. Mm. And then the close um, of the book goes to the, the more of the cancer journey 
written from times of chemo and, and through the transplant and all. First of all, thank you. Um, thank you for the journals you've kept, the journeys you've made, um, the conversations you've had, and for the ways in which you have shared those over the course of time and the ways you're sharing them now. The book is A Day's Journey, Stories of Hope and Death-Defying Joy. Let's do this. Um, why don't you spend um, a couple of minutes introducing us to Jonathan? Um, talk, talk about your friend Jonathan. Mm. Jonathan's story is called a, a day of hopeful planting. Uh, he was a man of many talents. He was my best friend. He, he was my mechanic at, uh, at the garage. He, he kept my car going and, uh, he kept a garden. Uh, he was a man who loved his family and, um, uh, he just he was just a wonderful example to me and a good companion on the road. We would take road trips together when I was out preaching somewhere. He would drive and I would speak. And so we had a great uh, a great friendship. But uh, cancer came into his life. And the days I wrote about were the days in which it was after hospice had been called in. So um, it is a sacred thing to walk with the saint to the edge of the river. And mm. I was able to do that with Jonathan. And I, I'm not, to, I don't write books about, you know, five steps to living well and, and dying well. I, I, what I do is I invite readers just to come along with me and sit down beside Jonathan's bedside, so to speak, and, and just hear the, the words, the conversations that we would have. Um, whether it's us working through a crossword puzzle are talking about how hard it is to um, to leave his wife and his grandchildren. Um, all of those things are just bound up in those days that I, I journaled about right up to the day that he uh, went home to be with the Lord. Tim, you spent um, you spent an extended period of time talking with uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. Um, thank you for. Uh, the portion of that that you share with us um, in the book. Uh, talk with us about some of the things that she said to you, particularly in relationship to singing her way through suffering. I thought that was particularly precious. Mm -hmm. uh, Johnny has, she is, as you know, just an amazing sister in the Lord. And um, I've always been struck by how strong she is, even though she's paralyzed from her neck down. She's the most, she's strong in the Lord and always, always encouraging those around her. And uh, our first encounter was um, of her speaking at a conference. And before going out, she wanted to gather us and, and sing a hymn together. And that hymn led to prayer. And then that prayer led to, um, and that, that prayer led to more singing. And so it was not a surprise when I asked her if I could spend a day with her, she said that it won't be very interesting, but there will be a lot of singing. And so her, her, her mouth and heart and mind are just filled with, uh, God's truth and his word and just wonderful old hymns that are very steadying 
force in her life and bring steadying joy. And it just, it just spills out all the time. Um, so she hosts a hymn sing um, every year or nearly mm-hmm. every year at, um, at NRB at the national religious broadcasters event. Um, yeah. And some years it's like uh, actually like an event that happens in, in the assembly hall with everybody. And sometimes it's a much more intimate um, event, uh, but she does love to sing. And she mm-hmm. has trained up a generation of of Christian leaders in terms of singing in the midst of depression and pain uh, and cancer mm-hmm. and suffering um, and hardship and loss. Uh, and so I just, I particularly appreciated um, that testimony. A Day's yeah, she... Journey. We have to take just a super brief break here, but then we're going to come back. So uh, the book is A Day's Journey, Stories of Hope and Death-Defying Joy. Um, uh, Tim Kazee is the executive director of Frontline Missions International. He's the executive producer of Dispatches from the Front. It's a film series. He blogs at Tim Kazee, K-E-E-S-E-E dot com. And we'll return to this conversation in just a moment about A Day's Journey. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, This is a community of believers, and we gather together here and We all need prayer, and, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at MyFaithRadio.com, and then be assured of our prayers for you in the Spirit of Christ. Check it all out at MyFaithRadio.com. Lainey Wahlberg is a regular everyday listener to Mornings with Carmen. She just texted in. We have the DVD series, Dispatches from the Front. It's such a blessing and inspiration. Thanking God so much for Tim and God's work in and through him. So, Lainey, thank you for your message this morning on our text line. If you've got something to say or a question you'd like to hear me ask, 877-933-2484. Tim, let's talk a little bit more about A Day's Journey, Stories of Hope and Death-Defying Joy um, in your own, you know, in your own lived experience, right? It was not your plan to uh, spend the days that you spent um, in terms of your cancer journey. And, and because you include it in such personal ways, I just want to give you an opportunity to encourage people who are suffering in this particular way right now, because this is a shared journey for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. Um, and, and I made it clear in the book, and I would hopefully to make it clear now that you know I don't. This book isn't about the, the person who suffered the most uh, of all. There are many people who are suffering now, and and many people who I have known that have were healthy and have passed away since I started writing the book. So uh, this is all, this is all part of life. But for me, it was a way to, um, I mean, there's something that John Piper said that really 
struck me when I was at the early point of struggling with this diagnosis, this first diagnosis, and then I got a second one that was worse. Um, but he, he said one time, it is utterly crucial that in our darkness, we affirm the wise, strong hand of God to hold us, even when we have no strength to hold him. And this was, this book was my way of affirming that and I'm continuing to affirm that, that he is wise and strong and I'm in his hand and um, he's, he's bringing me to himself. This is just the, the path that he has put me on. Talk, talk with us about um, your worship around the world project. Yeah, that was a project. That is a project that Tim Challies and I were about to undertake uh, three or four years back. And then mm -hmm. COVID hit and, and really impacted international travel and, um, and then my cancer and then his son, Nick, uh, suddenly passed away. And so we were all in no, we were in no position to, to, to travel and undertake this project, but we, we did start it this year. And, uh, and what it is, is going to 12 locations around the world. Uh, it's a simple storyline that every Sunday Christians rise and worship the risen Christ all over the world. And so we wanted just to track with the sun and go to 12 churches that biblically sound and culturally appropriate for that place. Uh, starting at the international dateline in the middle of the Pacific and just tracking with the sun all the way around the world. And uh, <laughs> it's been an arduous project, but, uh, but glorious too, uh, to see Revelation 5-9, uh, people from every tribe and language praising Jesus. So we, we get a glimpse of that in this, in this series. So we started in Fiji and worked our way across the Pacific and across Asia and Africa and South America. And we have just one more location to shoot. And this coming year, Lord willing, we'll be focused on putting all the films together and, uh, and the book together that I'm writing. That's so cool. Um, you can check that out at worshiproundtheworld.com dot com worship around the world you can actually financially support this particular project of frontline missions international um there as well worship around the dot com um tim tell us another story um pastors in greece maybe or pavlo yeah, a pastor uh, in kiev you know uh -huh. maybe 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 a church church related story here Sure. I, th that I, I'm really glad you brought up uh, the pastor in Greece, uh, Yotis, uh, because in, in that chapter, the day the walls came down, it mm -hmm. it was one of the, the the big surprises I got to to see and uh, write about. Uh, there had been in Athens uh, some big riots that exploded in the city some years ago, and in the in the church's location, they were basically in the, in the, in the crossfire of the, of the rioters and all the windows were smashed in the church and tear gas canisters there from the police and all of this. It was, it was a mess. And, um, Diotis, uh, and his people, they repaired the windows and got back to business as usual as a church. And, uh, a few months later, the windows smashed again, they repaired the windows again. And then uh, a while after that, the windows were smashed a third time 
And this time, Yotis, God was working in his heart, and he left the windows broken there, the shards of glass on the floor, and um, used it as an amazing illustration to tell his people he believed that God was breaking down the walls of their church so that they could see their city. And it, it launched uh, a, a movement out of that church to reach the hardest, darkest parts of the city of Athens. And some of their key people, some of their best and brightest went and served in humility and love and are still there. Uh, doing amazing work, but it all began because of vision to see that this, this mess and this tragedy and this hurt and harm that was happening through these riots, um, this big disruptor in the life of the church was something that actually God was at work in, and um, he brought glory to himself through it. God getting his glory um, could have been another way to frame what you talk about throughout this book. Um, you have seen God get himself glory. You have seen the gospel advance in some of the world's most difficult places. Um, is there, is there a place and a people for whom, like, they're just at the top of your prayer list right now? Hmm. Well, uh, there are some dear, dear saints who are, suffering right now in uh in north africa um Mm -hmm. and they are uh, definitely on my heart uh these days and i can't go into specifics about their cases but um they're they're faithful uh one one of those that i wrote about is a a man named saeed um and uh, his 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 trust in the Lord in the face of constant death threats is just a, a rebuke and example to me. Um, I, I think as I, as I wrote in the book, it, it's hard to threaten a man who knows he will now live forever. And so um, that's, that's Saeed's story uh, of his faithful witness to the resurrection, quiet, steady, um, but shaped by Christ and uh, a witness to um, the fact that Jesus is alive. Um, we will we'll pray for Saeed and um, and using um, using him as an exemplar for so many others. Tim, mm-hmm. thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for um, thank for you. being here with us today. Father, we thank come you, before Carmen. you. We come before you as brothers and sisters in Christ. You have the whole world in your hands. Your kingdom is advancing every direction every day in myriad ways, in dark places where the light of the gospel shines because a Christian is present. And so, Father, in in those places and spaces where one Christian feels utterly alone, right now, could you encourage them by your own dear presence to cheer and to guide, give them bright hope for um, tomorrow and the blessings that they need to survive this day, We thank you so much for Tim and his witness and testimony. We thank you for the places you have led him to go and for the ways he has brought those places and those people and those stories home to each and every one of us. And so, Father, grant your grace this day, um, all sufficient and immeasurable. In Jesus' name, amen.
Tim, thank you so much for being with us today. You guys can visit with Tim directly online at his website, Tim Kazee. K-E-E-S-E-E dot com. I'm happy to send you the link directly on the text line if that's easy for you. Frontline Missions International Dispatches from the Front. All of those will get you there as well. The book is A Day's Journey, Stories of Hope and Death-Defying Joy. Um, We are about out of time today as I am thinking about um, people on the forefront of missions and ministries around the world you know, pray today for um, for my cousin, Jennifer DeKrieger. Um, she continues in full-time ministry in Togo, West Africa. You guys know that her sweet husband, Todd, died there um, on the mission field a number of years ago. She's got, uh, she's got four wonderful boys, um, only one of them still there at, at, at home on mission with her. The other's here in the United States in college and graduate school. Just pray for her, Jennifer DeKrieger, when the Lord brings... Um, brings it to mind. And my friends Kate and John um, are packing up their house and moving into a van. Um, their boys are now uh, married and out of the house, and they are moving into full-time missional ministry. And so pray for them as well as they <laughs> downsize and kind of do the what seems crazy to most of us. All right, in the midst of that, I'll be praying for you. You'll be praying for me. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.